Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today we are going to be talking Vrenz Blindberg his recent signing to the NBA G League, what it could mean for the Thunder and the Blue organization. I'm also going to be talking about the Thunder's last two games back-to-back sets, starting out with the Phoenix Suns and the Indiana Pacers. And to top it all off, I will be giving you all a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. But guys... Starting out with friends, Blindberg recently signed a contract with the NBA G League. This news came in on Thursday and how waivers work, you have a 48-hour window. It's unlike the NBA, typically whenever someone hits the waivers or they sign a contract, right? You have 48 hours where you can get picked up on their initial contract. Take Mamadi Daikite. As an example, when the Bucks waived him, the Thunder swooped him up with a waiver claim. However, because Vrenz does not have returning player rights, he's never been in the NBA G League, his name gets added to the player pool, and there's 48 hours for someone to put a claim out on him, and then he gets shipped out. So, he is probably, in all likelihood, going to be on an NBA G League team today. And with it, the Oklahoma City Thunder... And the blue could most definitely be in the mix. Lots of other teams could as well. And when you start thinking uh, specifically with the Oklahoma City Thunder and just as a fan base, what you saw like on Twitter, no, you can put much stock in it. Probably not. Uh, but anyways, when you were thinking the top names going into draft day, Vrenz Blindberg was on that top five list. In all honesty, you had Sengun around there for like the mid-range picks. I will say, you know, for pick number six, James Booknight was the number one option. I'll say, you know, I wasn't on that ship. I was all Kuminga. So that was mine. And then you had maybe Jalen Suggs, Scotty Barnes. Giddy was kind of an afterthought, but like when he got picked, everyone kind of got into it. Uh, But Vrenz was definitely looked at heavily for those second round picks, at least from a Twitter aspect. Now he didn't get picked and no one picked him in the draft. And because of it, He actually had to return overseas to start this season out. And he did that with Real Betis. That's in the Spanish Liga ACB. That's a pretty good league to be in, in all honesty. But looks like he has finally been able to make the transition over. And it's very intriguing, not just for the blue, which it's not set in stone. The blue, you know, they might not even throw a claim out, right? But it makes it interesting for all the G League teams, and all 30 organizations uh, in the NBA because with Vrenz, he had to get a contract. You couldn't really settle for Exhibit 10s with him, and I don't know exactly what the clause was that made it this way, but no one offered him a two-way or standard deal. Now he's available again. You know, teams with two-way contracts, they could really use him, or teams that just flat-out have a G League roster spot. You want to go after this waiver claim. The trade deadline passed earlier in this week, so wherever he lands, he's staying with for the rest of the season. This is pretty damn big, and given his archetype and given his youth, there's really no downside to pursuing him, especially when you're a G League GM. Your job is to find these diamonds in the rough. Renz Blindberg 
could most definitely be that. And going into Vrenz as a prospect, this is a six foot ten guard. He hasn't played all that much this season in the Liga ACB for Real Betis. Averaged 3.6 points, 2.1 boards, and 1.1 assists. This is in 14.7 minutes per game. Played 14 of them there. Uh, but when you're looking at last year, prior to submitting his name into the draft, played for the Giants Antwerp in the Euro Cup, played 10 games, 24 minutes on average, posted 9.4 points, 3.1 boards, and 2.4 assists while shooting 37.5% from distance, just around 5 attempts per game. Looked pretty legit in that category. And when you're looking at the strengths, it's right on paper. Dude is a six foot ten guard. Now, does he have a long way to go in some aspects? I believe absolutely. That's why he didn't get selected. But he has a nice ball handling ability and passing ability at his frame that he's really worth that dice roll in my opinion. And when you look at his jump shot, it is a very quick one for a close to seven footer. It can really create some mismatches there if he does get that catch and shoot developed. And I think for that, the ceiling is actually pretty damn high. Yes, he is 21 years old, but you have to remember, you know, he hasn't been put into any major role the last couple seasons. He's kind of been just slip-ins onto some of these major European leagues, yes, but has the microscope really been on him? Not as much. I think that he could use some time under the NBA microscope, and I'm sure a lot of teams will have their names in the ballot when it comes down to tomorrow's waiver claim. And I'll preface the waiver claim by saying, um, you know, the list right now is not actually public, but if you want to look at teams that do have roster spots available, there are multiple. And due to some waivers, I would probably guess at least three teams would have their eyes locked in on signing Vrenz. So we went over him as a player, six foot ten guard, really nice passing, and the jump shot um, is very fun because it is a quick release. In terms of weaknesses, I mean, he is just 205 pounds right now, so it makes him in a weird spot where. Yeah, could he be capable against forwards? Yes, but it does limit him. You know, if someone's going post on him at 205, it's probably not going to work out for you. So I don't think you'd want to play him in a front court. Could maybe hinder some versatility in terms of rotations, uh, and it could technically make him a tweener. I don't know if it's going to be that big of an issue, really, when you look at it from like a G League perspective. That could be something that comes up with him, though. I do think that he could be one of those flaky shooters as well, though, where he's going to have those nights, he's hitting it from the catch and shoot, he's going to be able to feel it from really all aspects of the floor, but for every one of those games, there's going to be one or two where he sort of balances it out. You know, he hasn't been an exceptional shooter this season in the league at ACB. He's shooting 20.6% on threes right now. That's obviously not that good. Uh, so, that has to be taken into account, which is why he's probably a G League player right now. But you're not going to find six foot ten guards just readily available in the player pool. You know, this is, in my opinion, the best guy we've seen on claims thus far. There have been some good ones. You look at the last week. I mean, you got Robert Woodard II and Jameis Ramsey for the blue. Those are two amazing acquisitions, former second round picks. But. 
you know, they're kind of in pre-made archetypes. With, with uh, Woodard, you know, that's a small ball like four. You know, he's a very good interior presence, might have it on the catch and shoot, still working on it. But he's a decent fill-in. And with Ramsey, a lot of his offensive ability hasn't been untapped just yet. Does look good off the catch. And also, he has a pretty good stop and pop game to him. But there are a lot of guys like that in the NBA. When you break down six foot ten guards, that's a really uncommon commodity to have. And for a team such as the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, that it's actually kind of stacking to the pot. You look at the talent they currently have. They have a six foot eight guard in Vit Kredchi. He had Alexei Pokashevsky at seven feet tall. Imagine a three man lineup of Kredchi. Friends Blindberg and Alexei Pogoshevsky. How are you going to defend that as a G League team? You know, height is obviously a problem when you get down to the G League. Like seven footers are typically posted double doubles. What are you going to do when you have damn near seven footers throwing alley oops to each other? I don't know, in all honesty, but give me a damn ticket because it will be a fun, fun show. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my take on friends right now. When you look at the Oklahoma City Blue in the grand scheme of things, I believe they do have a roster spot available. And this is the current breakdown of things. When you check out what they have done in the last couple of days, we saw Melvin Frazier Jr. get traded for Robert Woodard the second earlier. Woodard was a waiver wire pickup by the Iowa Wolves, but he was subsequently shipped off for Frazier Jr. Go two days in advance. Jameis Ramsey, he gets dealt from the Birmingham squadron for Chason Randall, returning player rights. That was a waiver claim by Birmingham. OKC have utilized this waiver market without actually making the claims. And that's what makes this so interesting and what could happen with Wrens right now because the Blue have not used the waiver claim at all this year. We've seen many teams dip into this pot. Now, granted, there are also some teams right now that have not dipped into waivers and do have the roster spot right there in front of them. But the Blue have completely swerved this waiver wire process. And because of it, they still are ahead in terms of waiver claims. And you have a guy in Vrenz who is very intriguing, kind of fits their mold already and what they're doing, like the jumbo guards and whatnot. And they have shown interest in him prior to going undrafted and prior to hitting this pool. So when you connect the dots... It's a pretty interesting case as to if Nazi Muhammad will make an offer and who else will make an offer. You go back a couple months. What did you see with friends and the Thunder? Oklahoma City was the first team to invite him to a workout. That was the first one on schedule. First time he was in the United States. And to make it even more nice for him, he has the night in the hotel. In the morning, Vit Kredchi picks him up from the hotel, shows him downtown, shows him to the gym, just talks with him. And, you know, he and friends have been friends prior to this point. And, you know, I would assume there's already something built up between those two. And, you know, every time he was talking about OKC during the process, during his time and workouts, seemed to talk glowingly about it. Talked with the coaches. He talked with the trainers, staff members, and even said, and I quote, I really liked OKC 
a lot. Same goes with Credshi when he was talking with them. Credshi stressed the importance of family and friends aligned with that. Did some one-on-one drills, three-on-threes, five-on-fives. Once again, talked with you know some of the other coaches again and looked like it was a successful workout. Now, I couldn't tell you about the other teams. I know that he did uh, get invited from the Milwaukee Bucks side of things and the Bucks had the 60th pick. Picked up Georgios Kalixakis, who, go figure, got picked up by the Blue because they waved him earlier. Uh, but you look at them and you look at friends, you know, maybe they were like, hey, we, we went with the wrong guy. We liked him in the workouts too. Maybe we go with this other international prospect and see if we can build him up. The Wisconsin Herd waved two players yesterday, meaning they easily have room to pick up Vrenz Blindberg. In the case of the Thunder, they should have one available spot right now. And when you go down like the history of the, the roster spots here, it's pretty interesting because they've used Anthony Roberson as kind of just like a backup player. He's a, yeah, he's a backup for the most part. You know, when there is a roster spot or there's someone they need to bring up or down, he'll be waived for like three days and get pushed right back up. The way that this happened in the last week was that Olivier Saar got his 10 day or exhibit 10, excuse me, upgraded to a two-way contract. So they opened a G League roster spot. Roberson's on the roster. And then Jamius Ramsey got acquired. Um, you had obviously Woodard in the mix there, but it didn't matter because, you know, Melvin Frazier kind of moved out. Woodard's back in. You didn't lose any roster spots on that acquisition. With Ramsey, because you offloaded a guy in Chase on Randall who's not rostered, that did hurt you in terms of roster spaces, but it brought you back up the way that I see things. It got you back up to what the league maxes and off of that then you waved roberson right after they should have one spot for usage and they could use it today to claim friends blindberg i'm not gonna have the first catch on this in all likelihood uh the way that i was able to track things was on the g league website they showed uh transactions pretty much daily and friends was just caught in the crossfire there so i expect news to probably circulate midday tomorrow if i catch it before i'll make sure to let you guys know on that uh, but it really does open the can of worms on you know what friends could do to the oklahoma city blue they already have such a tantalizing roster and he fits really well with oklahoma city and just like this crazy crazy blueprint they have going on high risk not even high risk he's a low risk high reward player right now he's an exhibit 10 if he's not getting a two-way contract off the get-go and he brings you an extra piece of potential with the roster already jam-packed with talent probably have to do a full-on episode with them in the next week add friends into the fold my god you're looking to contend but you're also looking to have just you know a ton of prospects who could very well work their way into two-way contracts next year lots of players to choose from under grant gibbs's grasp but anyways that's the chatter on friends i know everybody loved him going into the pre-draft process at least for the thunders camp uh, on social media platforms 
And I'm sure you guys will love this offer from DraftKings Sportsbook as well. They've hooked it up here for you NBA fans. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you guys will be able to bet $1 on any NBA game and win $150 in free bets if they win. That comes from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Over there, everyone can bet and play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN red line. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467 Three, six, nine. But guys, moving on to the Thunder's latest back-to-back stretch. You start things out against the Phoenix Suns. League leader. Phoenix Suns, that is. Don't have Chris Paul here because he was injured over the All-Star break. And for the Thunder's side, they are loaded at full ammunition. SGA and Josh Giddy. Paired back together, no Lou Dort in this contest, no Kenrich Williams, no JRE. So there were some misses for OKC, but you get the main man back and Shea Gilgis-Alexander brings a very entertaining game on tap. And when you check out the ebbs and flow of the game, OKC was really hanging in there. 48-45 to going into halftime. And they just continued to pile on points right around the basket. They ended up finishing this game in all with 68 points in the paint. But they were just making random, not even random, just big time runs. Closed the first half on a 19-2 streak. SGA had 15 points by the end of that little patch there. And they actually briefly took the lead in the third quarter. Only were out eight points going into the fourth quarter. And then you had Vit Krejci just pop up out of nowhere. Game got narrowed down to five minutes with just a bit above eight to go. And then you saw the Phoenix Suns tick it up a notch. Outscored the Thunder by 15 points in the final eight minutes. They took the contest 124 to 104. And they made OKC pack their bags. This was still a very good game from them though. You break down the top performers. You got to start out with SGA. 
number one option in this game. I'll go into some of the chatter from post game, but when you're looking at the shot chart, SGA was looking to attack the basket. Shot a team high 22 attempts in the game. Should have been doing that. Finished with 32 on the night. And he went 11 of 14 in the paint. Just penetration after penetration. Wearing down your man. No Chris Paul in sight. Driving in on campaign. Give me that every day of the week. SGA saw that. He was looking to kill them off it. Worked pretty damn well if you're stringing up a 19-2 lead off your back and you're ending up with 32 points. Best the Thunder had to offer in the game. The paint, you know, has never been like a a non-factor with SGA. Every single night, you're seeing him explode to the basket. League leader in drives for two seasons in a row. And there's a good reason, folks. It's because he's either going to get the foul there or he's going to get a bucket. He's kind of shied away from making the dump off passes, but when you're that efficient around the cup, I think you should be taking the shot anyway, and that's kind of what he's been doing. Cannot fault him for it. Only little misstep came from three in the game with him, but, you know, he didn't have to be a three-point shooter. If you check the stat sheet like I talked about, he did go 105 from distance, and he is shooting 27.6% from three-point land. However, the way he was slashing inside, clearly, clearly a mismatch for Phoenix. And one of the primary reasons OKC was able to hang in there for the full four quarters. Same goes with Josh Giddy. Major help here. Ended up snapping his three-game streak of triple-doubles. And with SGA back and them coming off a weak hiatus, you can't really blame him. Uh, but, you know, he's not overtaken Oscar Robertson. Not yet. At least we'll see uh, when the next little run is from him. Still had a very good game though. 37 minutes, dropped 15 points, 9 boards, and 6 assists. He was killing them off of his runner. Just getting a high ball screen. Isaiah Roby was the main one setting it in this game. And just reap the rewards of them deciding to drop. You're going to give him 2 feet of room when he's by the free throw line? That's a cardinal sin. Just pop the runner and it's going to be good to go. Has one of the softest touches in the league. And he was making them pay off of that. One wild card that came in here, which honestly was not one to me, was Vitz Kredci. I've talked about him a lot on this podcast. He's been within Thunder ranks since the 2020 draft, but really honing in on things. I mean, he's been in OKC since January of last year, even though he wasn't on an NBA contract. He was on a G League one just to train within the organization. He's been so loyal, but he hasn't had major chances. Tore his ACL in September of 2020. Had an ankle injury in the Winter Showcase final in December. Got to play like the closing three games before the All-Star break, but his breakout game came Thursday against the Suns. Dropped down eight points on a three of four clip, two of two from downtown, and then he added two rebounds and one assist. Cannot complain about Vic Krejci. Six foot eight guard, such a smart passer. When you look at the OKC blue tape, you're going to see a lot of jump passes. You're going to see a lot of times where, you know, he's not the fastest, but he's able to just manipulate the defense a little bit to squeeze some passes in. 
Obviously, he's not playing a, a high on-ball role here with the Thunder, but he did have a hell of a transition play where he was going coast-to-coast. Coast. Looked like he had a man riding his coattails. Made a dump-off pass to Isaiah Roby, I believe it was, and it was just an absolute beauty. Like, uh, his passing is at a great level. When talking about him, uh, I think I've used Poku as the example, right, where Poku's going to have those home run hitting plays off the assists, but he's also going to have like a couple of errant like pop-ups where they're going to be outs, you know, they're going to be the turnovers. With Vic Credci, you're getting a lot more of those like doubles, you know, where there's some good ass hits, they're probably not home runs, but they get the job done and they're really going to help your team out. Much higher success rate with Vitz, and he's still going to be one heck of a player to watch. I really like him as a prospect, only 21 years old. The way I view it, I think that his transition to the NBA level is going to go a lot smoother than some other prospects. I think he has the passing down defensively. He didn't look great in this game, but he's one of the better ones on the OKC Blue, and his catch-and-shoot game has sneakily risen up to the occasion. I, I've always seen him more as like a cutter at the small forward spot who can pass sort of like what Gabrielle Deck was supposed to be, except the jumper isn't on like the slowest release time possible. Um, but I do like his archetype and I do think that Mark should uh, be utilizing him down the course of the, uh, the regular season here. And there was some chatter after this game on Giddy and SGA, who's the main ball handler, who's not likely have a more in-depth breakdown on that in a couple days. I really don't think there's much stock that you need to put into this one. This isn't a situation where SGA is the clear-cut number two. You know, he's not like third in command, actually, where sophomore season, you had Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder. You just used SGA to spot up most of the night. It's not going to be it. I still think SGA will probably lead in drives over Josh Giddy. It just comes into looking to utilize SGA more off the catch. And that's an upgrade on both sides. Like Giddy's not as developed as a sharpshooter right now, and that's okay. SGA is. He's shooting 27.5% right now. I get that. However, all three seasons he's been in an OKC uniform, dude shot above 40% off the catch. Hasn't had a lot of reps on it this year. Probably want to put him back on the treadmill and try to get him back on that um, so he can get the effectiveness down and I'm sure off of the uh the kickouts or the driving dishes off of Giddy SGA can drive in for a second effort anytime he wants probably still will be initiator uh, a good amount so I don't think it means anything a lot of people were thinking it was like the doomsday scenario give it give it the rest of the season before you say anything I think all is going to be well uh, for the OKC Thunder and going into the Pacers game it seemed like everything would have been well. Then you dig into the details. Enter the game. The OKC Thunder and the Indiana Pacers were separated by just two and a half games in terms of lottery standings. That's a problem. Um, you know, the Thunder, they've been in this fourth spot for reverse standings a long time this year. They've stuck on it and they haven't left it. You look at the third-seeded Rockets, there's kind of a break in the action. Well, after this trade deadline, the Pacers have snuck back into the combo. If the OKC Thunder won this game, the gap would be tightened to half a game. And what does that mean? 
That means Josh Giddy is having an injury right before tip-off time. Oh, his, his hip hurts a little bit? Oh, he's not playing in the game. And what did the Pacers do to counteract this? They just started giving the bench guys a lot of minutes as well. Um, that's kind of how the game turned out. Can't fault either side. You know, they're playing chess, not checkers around here. So you got to respect the game, I guess. You go into this, and it's pretty much neck and neck. Stride for stride, going halftime, it's still a single-digit game. Lots of lead changes and lots of ties. Fun part about this, you had the OKC Blue playing first half minutes. And I'm not talking like Lindy Waters out there for a little bit. I'm talking Teo, Lindy, Vic Credci, Poku, and Roby. Same exact time. Vid Credci, if he didn't sprain his ankle, you would have seen that lineup a lot during regular season play. I don't think that set of five actually happened with the OKC Blue this year. I'm sure it's happened in training, and I would assume it did because they played very well together. They're able to string up a nice run mid-quarter to really sweeten the pot in the second quarter. And with SGA having 19 points in the first half, it gave them 40 points in the second quarter. And obviously, it's going to put them in a really good position going into that second half. And you kind of go into the final segments of what you had in the fourth. It's a lot of bench play. You start to see some of the starters like creep out with four minutes. You know, like you get Dagnall kind of upset about it probably. I'd assume Rick Carlisle as well might be biting the bullet or he might be a little bit upset. But he tosses them out anyways. And... You start to see the game get very, very close. Lindy Waters, he had a three with 7.22 left, gave OKC a lead at 103-101. to Back and forth, over and over again. Trey Mann tied the game at 113 a pop with just under three minutes to go. OKC, closing two minutes of the game. They end up getting on a bit of a hot streak here so you had Trey Mann he got to the line split a pair of free throws to tie the game hit himself a runner and then on the very next play got to the basket for a layup four straight points or I guess five straight points for the rookie got them up two points and then you had SGA get a layup another back and forth Wiggins throws down a dunk they're up four points inside a minute. Buddy healed. Return fire. Hits a three. 121-120 in OKC's direction. Pair of misses. Trey Mann ends up getting fouled going to the basket. Had two shots. Could get this up to three. Hits both of them. 123-120 to 120 with nine seconds to go. Off the inbound play. Buddy healed got it. Missed it. Scramble for the basketball. Lance Stevenson gets it in the left corner. Hits it. Ties the game at 123. He's throwing up the air guitar. And Thunder fans that are looking to tank are probably rejoicing. Pacers fans are tearing their hair out. Pivotal game. Lance freaking Stevenson, man. He wasn't on a contract to begin the year. He's kind of become like a character around NBA circles. And here he is hitting a very big shot in a situation you probably don't want to win he's just jamming out to an air guitar to send it to overtime and what makes it even funnier was before the man uh foul it wasn't actually off a drive it was intentional because play right before looks like the pacers are kind of settling down they want the last shot 
You had Isaiah Jackson in the right corner. Man had his foot out of bounds. I wouldn't think it's scripted, but damn. You get that, looks like the game is over. Especially off that Trey Man 3, off the healed miss. And then Stevenson just comes around town. So, five extra minutes of play. New life in the building for Thunder fans just checking Tankathon every single day. Did not go the way they wanted to. Complete stalemate for the first half of this OT. It took over three minutes for the Thunder to get anything going. But then Darius Baisley was able to get a shot down. SGA got to the hoop with 21 seconds to go and one finish for him. And the Pacers could not respond. OKC won the game in OT 129-125. to When you take a glimpse at the Tankathon standings, Looks very tight here. Half a game difference. OKC's five and a half games back in the Magic. Pacers are six games back. And to make matters even worse, the Rockets and the Magic played yesterday. Orlando came out on top, which made it a group of three again. Orlando, they're number one in reverse standings. Detroit is on the doorstep. They're one game back. And the Houston Rockets, who've lost eight games in a row are two games back of the grand prize. It's going to make things interesting, but it also makes two different sets of teams. OKC is three and a half away from Houston. It's going to be a hard one to catch up to. I don't know if it's going to be possible, honestly. Like, sure, they could win three in a row, um, but I don't know if that's going to happen, and I don't know if you can really say that about the Pistons or the Magic at this point. So you got OKC in its own bracket, Right next to you, half a game, Indiana's there, Sacramento's two and a half games away from you, and then there's another kind of stop in the action, as both the San Antonio Spurs and the uh, New Orleans Pelicans are five games back, so I really don't worry about them, just Indiana and Sacramento that you kind of want to look at, and OKC's next team, of course, it has to be against the Sacramento Kings. It's going to be another one where you have to have your popcorn ready. And, you know, depending on what camp you're on, you're either swinging for the Thunder, swinging for the Kings. I'm swinging for the fences come lottery day. I've been doing a little bit of prospect scouting on them. So, you know, I'll probably start doing the draft coverage when we have maybe some two-day breaks. Seven games or seven weeks left in this regular season. So maybe for the playoffs. I'll end up doing some prospect evaluation over here on the podcast. But this has been a very entertaining season. The Bally Sports ratings have come out, and OKC is actually ranking in the top half right now, which shows you hey, even if you are one of the lower teams in the NBA, fan bases can do you a lot. The Thunder one is very strong. Really appreciate you guys for sticking around for the coverage on this podcast. If you guys have not already done so, Make sure to follow me on Twitter. That's at Ben Kreider. If not, uh, or I guess if you already have and you have a suggestion for me, just make sure to DM me. Always have those open. If you want to hit up the pods directly, hit up at Thunderstick Pod. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.